Welcome to Aetherius Radio Live, the Hour of Truth with Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaine. And we certainly do appreciate your kind attendance today. It is 1 p.m. Eastern Time in the United States on the 15th day of January 2013, and you are tuned into Aetherius Radio Live. You're always welcome to join us in the chat room at Blog Talk Radio, or you are also invited to call us at 646-378-0378 so that you can interact with our hosts, Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze. And without any further ado, on the topic of the Aquarian Master, Dr. George King, I give you Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze. Well, hello. Welcome to Ethereus Radio Live. Hi, Chrissy. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Hello, Richard. Hello, Annette. Thanks for the intro. We're pleased to be talking about this. I think I was, it's true to say probably Richard's and I's favorite topic. It is because I think really we were so fortunate to know a real genuine living master. And I think it's very important to stress in, in this day and age that so many people use that word, don't they, Chrissy, a master? I know. Um, it's it. It's a very common word now. You can be a master of this and a master of that. And I think the true connotation of the word is, or the true meaning of the word is, is lost. Yes, yeah, got devalued. And um, really, he was, in the, he was absolutely a pure and, and, and living demonstration of really what mastery is in this day and age. But at the same time, a very radical one. He wasn't of the old, although he was a yogi, he wasn't sort of dressed in robes and of the sort of persuasion of detachment and dropping out and so forth. He was totally focused. He, he would wear, he was a Westerner. He, he knew what was going on. He, he wore modern Western clothing and, and lived the life. Uh, he knew about technology. He was very, very familiar with technology. And he was very focused on actually rolling his sleeves up and getting things done for the world as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. He was definitely a master for this age, this Aquarian age. And uh, because of that, because he came at the beginning of this age, he, he was ahead of his time. And, you know, if you look back in history at people who are ahead of their times, they're never understood in their time, or only by a handful of people. And, and this is why I think the world hasn't yet um, really heard, come to know him. And this is what Richard and I are hoping to help you to do today, to get to see a little bit about him, to understand a little bit more about this amazing, absolutely incredible man and master. Yes, indeed. And of course, one of the reasons for that is that he was so unassuming and so modest. You know, you can be so great that you appear to be ordinary if you're not careful. And he was in that category. He, he, he blended in. He didn't set out to be different or, or set it. Well, he was very different in his views and in his actions. But uh, he, he was actually quite conservative in his, uh, and traditional, not conservative from political point of view necessarily, but traditional and and conformed, you know, to, to uh, how he dressed, how he behaved, where he ate, and all that sort of thing. Or His total focus was on saving the world, helping the planet, and that's where he put his energy. Yeah, I think, I mean, his, his mission was so fantastic, and I hope the listeners will continue to listen, because in the weeks and the months ahead, we will just uh, scratch the surface, really, of what this one man achieved and set into motion for fu the future on this planet. I mean, it's so incredible that I think, you know, it is so incredible that uh, it is most people can only grasp a little bit of it because it's so great, but we will try and do that. And 
as I say, he is very much um, a, what, a forerunner of this age, if you like. And he was, from an astrological point of view, the Aquarian age is ruled by two planets. And I always think this is very interesting, if I can just throw this out. One is the planet Saturn, which is a very, very evolved planet and which brings um, great wisdom and maturity to the individuals, astrology affecting us individually. Uh, and, and the other is the planet Uranus, the planet of revolution and revelation, uh, revolution in a positive sense, a revolution of thought. And he embodied these two principles in his life and mission, which is very interesting to me because many people that, who claim to be uh, you know, of the new age, they, they miss out on the important aspect of Saturn, which is tradition, the good tradition that Richard mentioned he upheld, and um, the great maturity and the great wisdom. And on the other hand, the great uh, the science, the, the revolution in thought, the revelation, and so on, and he really did embody these. And, and I think any uh, group or any organization or any person that claims to be of this age, this Aquarian age, they really have to embody these these different aspects. So this is a, a good litmus test, I think, for, you know, is this a person I really want to, or is this an organization I'm really interested in spending my time learning from or joining? Indeed, and he was an impeccable man. He was... Uh, everything that he taught, he was. He, he absolutely practiced what he preached. Um, he led a pure and a driven life. He worked harder than anyone I've ever heard of, never mind met. Uh, he worked all the time, right up to the last week of his life. He was still in action. Uh, and we were, I mean, I was lucky. I was in touch with him every day for 20 years, pretty much, either on the phone or in person. And over that period, um, you know, I, I know, as do others, that he lived absolutely what he taught. Yeah, absolutely. He. Um... I mean, I think people can, you know, they can disagree with him. They can criticize us for what we do or what we believe. They, they have every right, if they wish to, to differ, but they can't question his integrity or his complete commitment uh, and demonstration of what he taught, because that was just a fantastic living pattern in front of us. And we're very lucky in that respect, because not all spiritual leaders do fall into that category. I mean, I would certainly don't want to name names, but I have over the years met a number of people who've had to, you know, come to uh, find that some of their leaders or gurus that they follow weren't everything they profess to be. Now, I want to put a warning in here that rumors can also be spread around and gossip, which is completely false. So it doesn't mean just because you've heard some gossip that that gossip is true. But there are certain cases where, you know, either through money or through other forms of behavior, spiritual leaders have not lived up to what they, they taught. They may still be good people, by the way, who did much good. But in Dr. King's case, he was everything he said he was. He lived a pure and impeccable life. Uh, I believe throughout his life, from, uh, and from the experience I've had and the conversations I've had with him, he really demonstrated and lived the true spiritual path, as well as Chrissy was saying, the Aquarian path in these days. Absolutely, and I have to say that Richard was a very, very close student and friend for, gosh, over 25 years, was it, Richard? Mm, it was and, really, uh, and uh, yes, it was, it was a tremendous honor. And, you know, with, with um, someone like Dr. George King, who was so advanced, and we're going to try and explain as the program and, and future programs develop just how advanced he was, and is, of course, because although he's physically passed on, he's still very present indeed. 
Um, you know, there's always a problem and a difficulty in in being a friend uh, for for his for his from his point of view because obviously the gulf between him and people like myself is so vast. Um, he was so advanced, so knowledgeable, so wise, had had so much spiritual experience. There was always the danger that you know I couldn't necessarily relate to, understand. Uh, and and if we were having conversations, and I was privileged to have an, quite a number of spiritual conversations with him, that you know I wasn't keeping up, and if he it wasn't if we weren't careful, it would become a lecture rather than a conversation, which wasn't fair on him. So, however, having said that, yes, I, I was one of those who was privileged to be among his friends and to know him very well. He always surprised everybody, even his closest associates, even his dear wife, who I spoke to last night. Uh, uh, no question about that. And I mean, as I look back, Chrissy, over the, you know, what is it now? It's 15 years since he passed on, just a bit more than that. I now, pretty well every day, I think of something that he did or that he said that was so right that I can, oh, I can see what he meant now. I, I, that's what he was doing. He was just so way ahead of us all. Yeah, one thing I think listeners um, may be thinking to themselves, I wonder how you and I sort of came to um, meet Dr. King in the first place. I know it, for me, certainly, it was a fascinating journey of, of searching, which led me to him uh, through many different philosophies and religions. But you have some very interesting uh, stories yourself, Richard. And, well, talk about uh, yours, though, that's, that's interesting. Let's hear about your, your oh, journey. <laughs> well, you know, as Certainly as a young age, at a young age, I was not interested in having what I considered to be a normal life. And in fact, one day when I was just a kid, I was probably about five or six, I asked my mum what life was about. And my dear mum, she said, well, you grow up and you have a, get a job and then you get married and you have kids. And I burst into tears. Is that all there me. is? <laughs> and that, and uh, I just... I thought I said there's got to be more than that, and so from a young age, um, when I was a psychic child and would see things, fairies in the garden and so on. And um, Richard's a very uh, we're talking about you though, too. Chris. We're talking but, about you. Um, yeah, and I, I would um, you know search through my aunt, my my grandmother actually gave me all of Alice Bailey's books, and she used mm. to teach me um, some of Alice Bailey's teachings. I was very interested in theosophy and I looked into theosophy and then I became a Rosicrucian uh, which was very fascinating and then uh, from that I moved through mystic Christianity, Buddhism and was really on a search but uh, nothing quite gelled until uh, one day somebody told me about Dr. King and uh, actually I was going to the spiritualist church at the time and my uncle who ran the church had told me about Ray Nielsen, who was a very close friend and student of Dr. King, too. He was. Yeah. And um, he gave him, came and gave a talk on the Ethereum Society. I was just 14 at the time. And uh, I was really hooked. I was still on a search for some years after that, but a little bit later on in my early 20s, and I, I, I thought, this is it. You know, and it really has been a fascinating journey. And I'm now, gosh, 40 years on, <laughs> I have to say that every single day of this journey has been incredibly fascinating, amazing, inspiring, joyful, and I'm just so glad and so happy that I could meet someone who had such an impact, not just on me, but on the whole world. And I, I do truly believe with my heart and soul that there will come a day when humanity will realize that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I want to say, and there's a fascinating account you've given there, that obviously the path is 
also contains tests, uh, also contains difficulties. Not everything's going to be easy. I mean, Dr. King was highly disciplined uh, and very good that he was. I remember when I when I first was joining what we used to call here in England the the London Committee, which was running things in 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 this country at that time. This is 1976, believe it or not. I was 23 years old. And I was going to be put on the committee, and, and I didn't, I mean, I knew him, I was around him, but I, I wasn't close as I became later. And he didn't know me that well, and I was very much younger than him, and he called me in and said, well, he asked me one question. He said, are you a worry guts? And I said, yes. And he said, right, you're on the committee then. I mean, obviously there was more to it. That was his typical style. And, of course, there in itself was a great lesson, because many people would say, well, that's, exact opposite you'd expect from a yogi or a guru you know that to ask to encourage someone to be a worry guy but of course what he he was interested in was people being really concerned about humanity concerned about the work not being detached from service the detachment from our own selfishness yes of course he taught that but then that will happen naturally if we take to the path of service and so that that was like my first, one of my early insights into this very, very unusual master, uh, because it was such a simple lesson. That's how long the interview lasted. <laughs> yes, he, he always cut to the chase and, you know, sort of gave the bottom line and um, didn't, uh, yeah, he, he really offered the truth in a, a way that really made an impact. And yet it really was a meditation in itself. You could think about it and it really sort of moved you. And, and he was, as you said earlier, revolutionary because he he brought a great change. He brought that's one of the changes he brought the the total focus on service and not just on service because there are other great teachers who've taught service. I mean, we were talking about the Master Jesus, of course, last month, and uh, I mean his whole life was about love and service. Uh, and, and many of the yogis, uh, Sivananda and so on, focused on service, but he taught service first. Enlightenment comes after it, whereas in the traditional yogas it has been, well, you, you become enlightened first, you get yourself ready first, you purify yourself first, and then when you're ready, then you go out and serve and teach and heal and so on. And he basically said, look, there isn't time for that. I'm going to take you as you are. There's a lot to do. The world's in danger. It could be destroyed by nuclear, not the world, but much of it, parts of it, by nuclear catastrophes and so on. We need to get into action now. We haven't got time to wait uh, well, until you're pure and ready. Let's get on with it. And it was a very revolutionary approach that he adopted. Yeah, and I mean, he revolutionized uh, the healing movement uh, in England at the time, uh, in the um, 60s and 70s, and he introduced this uh, technique, You Too Can Heal, because at the time I remember in England, and I, and I was practicing healing at the age of 14 at the Spiritualist Church, but there was a feeling and, that was expressed that you, need, you needed to have a certain gift. And this was very strong, and um, you know, you either oh, made yeah. it or you didn't, you know. And then he came along and said, "No, it, spiritual healing is a gift is, that everybody has. You know, every man, woman, and child can heal." And he devised yeah. a technique that everyone can use. So, and now, fortunately, everybody around the world are doing. Many, many people in the New Age movement are doing some type of, he, of healing, which is what he wanted to achieve. You know. Yeah, and of course he came out with this slogan, and it was the title of his book as well. You too 
can heal. And, you know, now, if you say that now, everyone goes, yes, of course, yes. Most people believe that now. But I do remember when that book came out in 1976, and I, I was approaching, I think, the biggest, I won't name it, but the biggest healing organization at that time in England, in Britain, I should say, and they said, no, that is wrong. You cannot heal. Not everybody can heal. Just like you said, Chrissy. And this was in 1976, actually. He said, you, they said, you've either got it or you haven't got it. And, of course, now that same organization is running courses called Everyone Can Heal and, and have been doing so for decades. And he was delighted with that. He wasn't, you know, trying to get a sort of copyright on anything. He was very, or a patent on it. He was pleased when the world started to accept the pattern that he had forged. And it was, we forget how unusual that idea was that everybody can heal. It really was at the time. And I also remember um, he bought this, phenomenal sort of approach to healing which is you know using all of your focus and your concentration and I remember at the time um, a long time ago before he introduced this technique the healers that I associated with they would be giving healing and chatting to someone else at the same time I've, I've seen that many times and uh, so he kind of revolu revolutionized the whole approach to healing that it's something that you can not only learn but you can improve and you can bring your whole mental focus to it as well you know so he he kind of um i think introduced a whole new approach it, he it did and i think for you and i chrissy having come in you you coming in so young and then i came in when i was at university i was 18 when i first heard about this and met him of course at that age too very briefly but was a sort of around in in my vacations i used to spend here and he was over in london and i remember meeting you there chrissy too yeah. Yeah. all those years ago but it, it's easy for us to i think i've i've become increasingly aware just how unique he was unique is a one of those words that is is overused i'm afraid but it really does summarize him because some of the things that he taught, because I came across them at such a young age and so on, I almost assumed, well, that must be known elsewhere. Mm. And, and mm. healing is a good example. And even, I think possibly an even better example is his approach to prayer, mm. which is so simple and so effective. And he taught it and we practiced it. And, that's, and I know you run it on, on, on Body, Mind, Spirit Radio and so on. Um, regularly with people with their hands raised and he explained it, the psychic centers and the chakras. And really, I, that hasn't been explained so simply and effectively anywhere else. I mean, increasing numbers of people do it. I'm certainly not saying it's new. It has been done before and, and people, even the Master Jesus is depicted as raising his hands in prayer in, in the hills and so forth. But the system of dynamic prayer that Dr. King introduced and taught is absolutely uh, just unprecedented in its effectiveness and its purity and getting away from all the baggage, is the only word I can think of, that is so often, I know this is your field, Chrissy, prayer, but is so often connected to prayer in people's minds of, you know, uh, making requests to God for this, that, and the other, and just simply boiling it down as transmitting energy from point A to point B through the prayer this is the most effective way to do it. If you stand like this, if you visualize that, it will work. And that was one of my earliest experiences. I tried this, and I experienced it. I felt it. I couldn't ignore it. 
Uh, it wasn't uh, a theory. It wasn't faith. It was a tangible, physical experience that didn't leave me for hours. Yeah, you could feel it as a, a tingling sensation. Is that right? When you That's first right. That Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and many people do feel it. I mean, just if you're listening to this and you haven't really tried it before, I suggest you try it, just offering a prayer, hands raised, and see if you feel it. Uh, and maybe you won't feel it, but certainly you'll know that uh, uh, energy is flowing through. You are bringing great help, great relief to the world. But this is an example of, I mean, it's just one of many, many, many hundreds of things he did. Um, but it was done in such simplicity, as Richard said, that you could almost miss it. And this is the beauty of him, that you have to really focus on what he's doing and really think deeply about it, because um, almost everything he did is like a meditation. It's almost so simple, it's so pure, so beautiful, so perfect, mm-hmm. that it, sometimes it takes you a long time to really, um, you know, really understand it, I think. Yeah, the simplest have- things can be the most profound. I mean, an enlightenment, in fact, is simplicity. And, uh, you know, he did keep things as simple as he could, partly because he, you know, he didn't want to confuse anybody. And he he had himself come up through the traditions of, uh, you mentioned Alice Bailey, but also theosophy in general, and through, the, of course, the yoga writings. And he'd found many of them great works, but far too complex, far too wordy, and not nearly practical enough. And he decided to take a very different approach. He had tremendous respect, please don't misunderstand me, for Madame Blavatsky and Alice Bailey and others, and Annie Besant, and some of the yogas too, Vivekananda and so on, and Ramacharaka. But he decided to make it simple, easy to practice, safe to practice for people who had jobs and lived in the West or wherever they were working and could do them at convenient times and he came up with these systems which are just so usable and so effective. And his system of breathing exercises is phenomenal and yeah. uh, something that you can use on a very regular basis. It really doesn't take that long but it has phenomenal effects. I mean, And it's published in this slim little volume that I always think is like a testament to his modesty and his humility, and yet it's prof- it will profoundly change your life if you spend the time um, performing these practices. And yet you can look through volumes and volumes and volumes of yoga books and really not find anything so perfect and so brilliant. But of course, where he made his absolute mark and where he was completely essential to the planet uh, and and brought a whole new dimension to spiritual teaching was by bringing in the cosmic aspect which hadn't been brought in in that way before and he did it with such authority and because there are reasons why he could do it with authority which we can reveal later in this program but he uh, absolutely introduced because you know you had a UFO movement going on in, in the 1950s and, and you still do which they used to call a nuts and bolts movement and, and you still got the, the equivalent nowadays although I was very pleased to find uh, some UFO organizations are more open to the spiritual message than they used to be but he combined the two he said look you know you can't have a complete spiritual teaching without embracing the cosmos and understanding the cosmic implications of things and he brought through to our world the cosmic message as primary terrestrial mental channel and this marks him out um, as absolutely completely unique teacher in the history of our planet 
Yes, and his body of work is is phenomenal. And um, you know, he he um, first had the contact. I don't know if you're talking about that, Richard, but um, yes. After many years of of, of training, yoga training, and um, he developed his mediumship over many many years, and had some fantastic contacts uh, until one day he was in his uh, apartment in London. Uh, washing the dishes at the time, I believe, uh, in early May. And he heard a voice outside of himself which said, prepare yourself, you are to become the voice of interplanetary parliament. Indeed. And, of course, at the time he had no idea what that meant. But it was, he was so um, had been practicing yoga for so many years, for so many hours a day, that he realized this was definitely um, not a voice in the head. It was a voice very distinct. Um, definitely outside of himself, and he had to understand it. He had to find out what it meant, mm. and this was the beginning of a, an amazing journey. Indeed, and because he, he could so easily, you mentioned his mediumship, um, uh, which he was practicing uh, following the Second World War over here. Uh, he, he was a conscientious objector. He was actually a Quaker just prior to the war, and the Quakers were conscientious object- objectors. Uh, although he was very active during the Second World War in the Blitz, what, in the London Blitz, very dangerous, working in the fire service, section leader. But then he came out of that and devoted himself to yoga for, for ten years, for eight hours a day. And, and by yoga, we mean the very advanced forms of yoga, Kundalini yoga, and Raja yoga, and Nani yoga. And he could so easily have gone down a much more popular route. And, and, and been a much more wealthy route. Wealth wasn't a, a, a big thing for him. He was never, in the years I knew him, and, and in fact, throughout his life, he lived very modestly. I mean, when he came to London here, he would stay upstairs in, from the building I'm now speaking from in a very exceptionally modest, tiny little apartment, which was also his office. And he lived very modestly in Los Angeles as well. But he could have gone down a different route. He was approached by guides from this world, famous ones, and I will name one, and that's Shakespeare. And, I mean, I actually went with him to visit Shakespeare's house in Stratford-upon-Avon in the UK, and he told me about it. He didn't really like the condition. He actually believed that Sir Francis Bacon, as many others believe, actually, was the main author, not the only one, several people involved, in those plays. But he didn't choose to go down that route. There were other famous individuals in history who contacted him. But no, he went down a very controversial, and if we think it's controversial now, can you imagine what it was like in the 1950s in England? A very, very formal, conservative place, as I'm sure America was too in those days, where you know you put a tie on and a jacket on, probably a hat on, just to go out of the house. I mean, it was a very... And then to come up and say, well, I've been contacted by a being from Venus or from Mars, um, you're going to be mercilessly ridiculed and treated very badly by the press, even though he had evidence for what he was saying. But he stuck to his guns, and he always stuck to his guns, and he stayed with the, the biggest and most important cosmic aspect uh, throughout his life. Yeah, I think that's a very good point to mention about him um, having, you know, his mediumship was, uh, as he was advancing in his mediumship, he had many 
interesting people were coming through, including Shakespeare, as you say. And if you think about it, I often think about this. Had he wanted to be uh, famous, he could easily have done so by, you know, just writing a book on it about his contact with Shakespeare and, Mm. you know, just that thing alone. Or another thing that he was working on at the time was a cure for cancer through his healing work and making Mm -hmm. great breakthroughs. Mm. And again, he could have become famous, but he did something far greater, far more difficult, far more controversial, um, and which is so essential for this age in which we have reached out into the cosmos and discoveries are being made all the time. There's one last week which has really extended the way we think and, uh, you know, the, um, the zone of habitable planets is, ex- you know, now, you know, hundreds of thousands of planets which are, you know, habitable, possible habitable planets and so forth. So. Yeah. We're learning new things all the time. And so he was very much a forerunner for this age. And the body of teachings, the 600 cosmic transmissions, have, need to be, I believe, studied by um, you know, people who are serious about um, this time in which we live and wanting to help. Yes. Now, Chrissy, at what time do we have to go to Annette for a break, just so I don't overrun? Yes, about, sorry, about this time, actually. Oh. <laughs> are you there, Annette? I certainly am. I was just as fascinated as everybody else listening to the conversation. And my question is that beautiful volume you were speaking about, Chrissy, regarding teaching us the the breathing. What what is the name of that? Oh, there's Realize Your Inner Potential, which was written by Dr. George King and Richard Lawrence. Ah. Well, I was very fortunate with that, Annette, because um, he was very excited about that book and actually we he wrote the preface to that book on his last as it turned out his last birthday on earth and i was over there with him and he we worked the, the whole format of the book out and half of it was written before he passed on and he had i had permission to complete it after his lifetime and it contains many of his writings in it it's his concept not mine i was pr- privileged to be his co-author and yes, that book, Realize Your Inner Potential, is available. We have a DVD uh, version of some of the practices as well, if people are interested, both in America and Britain. Well, fantastic. Well, I'll greatly appreciate that. I'll mention it again during the break. Give the two of you a chance to relax um, and maybe converse a little if you like. And thank you so much. We will return momentarily to this presentation of... Oh, my God, Aetherius Radio Live. We so do enjoy it, absolutely. Aetherius Radio Live is broadcast on the third Tuesday of every month, live, as we say, from 1 to 2 p.m. Eastern Time here in the States. Please check your own time zones for the adjustment. We'd like to invite you to a video evening being held in London on the 23rd of January, celebrating the anniversary of Dr. George King's birth. This will be a fabulous presentation, again, held in London, England, We'll give you a phone number, uh, which you can contact them, 020-7736-4187, 020-7736-4187. We also invite you to services throughout the United Kingdom and Europe, or in Africa as well, on Sunday the 27th of January to celebrate uh, not only the vision of Dr. King, but dedicated to Dr. George King, again, in the honor of his birth. And you can find out more about that by going to Aetherius.org or Richard Lawrence's site, richardlawrence.co.uk. And we invite you to pick up on two fantastic books, the fantastic books that, uh, fantastic books that were co-authored by Dr. George King and Richard Lawrence, 
It would be contact with the gods from space, as well as realize your inner potential. Realize your inner potential and contact with the gods from space. Again, you can find out about the availability of those particular volumes at Aetherius.org or richardlawrence.co.uk. And for more information on his charming co-host, Chrissy Blaze, we invite you to go to www.chrissyblaze.com. And returning to this fascinating information and discussion about the marvelous master, Dr. George King, the Aquarian master, we return you to Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze. I don't think we're going to be able to do justice to this in an hour, do you, Chrissy? No, I don't, actually. I mean... We haven't even started yet, so I think we'll need a part two on this one, and uh, I think the next show is is going to be a continuation because we're just scratching the surface here. Yeah, absolutely, that's a great idea. Let's do part two next month, shall we? Let's mm. let's. And in the in the break, Annette mentioned the book Contacts with the Gods from Space, and I was going to tell tell you how I um, how that happened, Chrissy. I'm sh- I don't know if I've ever told you before the conversation mm. I had with Dr. King, which led to that book. Mm. No, I don't think you have actually. Well, at that time, was, we're back in 1995, and I'd written a couple of books, and one of them was a very successful book in terms of sales. The publisher said it was a bestseller, and so forth. And Dr. King knew about this, and he, he obviously was fully aware of it, and so on, and was very kind about it all, and, and so on. But obviously, these were just nothing. These were just absolutely nothing compared to the body of work that uh, Dr. King had produced. And he sat there, I remember, one day, and he just said these words in his same style. As you say, cut to the chase, very simple. He said, uh, you seem very prolific. Why don't you write a book with me? <laughs> And I nearly fell off the chair because it hadn't crossed my mind that such an invitation would be forthcoming. And it was obviously the biggest privilege and and, and by far the most significant book for me personally, closest to my heart, shall we say, because it was written in his lifetime, it was completed in his lifetime, he approved it, it was published in his lifetime, and we did, and I'm sure you remember this massive tour uh, across the across the world, actually, not just the UK, America, but also uh, Canada, Australia, New Zealand. I think for those certainly joined in with it, and possibly others. And it was we did. I remember doing. I think it was over 20 cities in in the UK that we covered with that contact mm. with the gods from space. And I, you know, I look at it now because it's just coming out this year on Kindle and, and e-books later this year. And I was going through it, and it's it's. Um, Again, it, it covers his mission, but boy, it, there's so much more one would like to put in it. But I've kept it the way, I mean, with a few minor edits, that he approved it, exactly the same, essentially the same material that uh, he approved, because that, as far as I'm concerned, is what counts. It's his book, it's not my book, it's George King with Richard Lawrence, I just happen to help with the writing. But I think it's helpful to the listeners to know, uh, and Richard is very modest himself, that he is a well-known author, a uh, best-selling author, and he was uh, regarded, he was called, I think it was by Waterstones, the body-mind-spirit expert, UK's body-mind-spirit expert, and has traveled all over the world, been on TV numerous times, radio probably thousands of times. And so um, I think just to get a perspective for the listeners that, um, you know, Richard's a very modest person, but this is how highly he regards 
Dr. George King, but he himself is is very influential and well-known um, mind, body, spirit expert. And uh, well, that's kind of you, Chrissy. That's very kind of you. But as well, I, I do repeat, compared to Dr. King, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's the comparison doesn't stand up at all. But having but I, said I think that, I'm sorry. sorry. No, you go I think on. it's I'm sorry. good for people to get a perspective okay. because you know there are a lot of well-known people out there, as you are, but the thing is, you're holding Dr. King up at a much, much higher level, which, which much he higher is, level. You know? but Dr. I think um, people could then get a, a better perspective that, um, as well. Fair enough. Okay, I see what you mean. But as far as Dr. King is concerned, the, the book came out, and it's still out. It's available to people if they want to get it, and it does describe broadly you know his mission and and that's what he was interested in his mission he he didn't want that to uh, go into his personal life although at some later date uh, work is underway for, on a biography that will come out at some point in the not too distant future but in the meantime contacts with the gods from space is the book which gives you the whole of his mission and because I was able to write it with him, and it's a combination of the two of us, it does a bit more justice because he was so modest about himself. But there is really one thing that isn't said in that book, but I hope will be said uh, in, in, a, in a new edition of it when it comes out on ebook and Kindle. And that is that he, who he really was, because while he was alive, he wasn't willing to reveal it, he didn't wish to reveal it. And I think we can now reveal, and I think we should reveal, Chrissy, exactly what Dr. King was. What do you think? Absolutely. I think this is the time, and this is well, the show. Well, then, let me have the honor of doing that, or would you like to do that? Oh, no, please go ahead. Okay. Well, Dr. King, uh, listeners, dear listeners, was actually a cosmic avatar in his own right. And we, we've talked before in this program about cosmic beings who've come down to Earth and lived in ordinary Earth physical bodies, the Master Jesus, the Lord Buddha, Sri Krishna, one of the greatest of them all, and many others, Lao Tzu, uh, Confucius, and so on, Sri Patanjali. And they always kept their identity hidden. They didn't reveal it. I think it was very clear, and you can see why. For example, Christianity uh, sees Jesus as God itself. I mean, obviously, he wasn't God. He, he wasn't even the one and only Son of God, but he was a living God, that's for sure. And we are now revealing that Dr. George King was also one of these cosmic avatars who came to Earth in an ordinary Earth physical body to perform a very, very great mission himself. And suddenly, when you start to realize that, Everything falls into place. It's something he would never reveal while he was alive, but now we can. Yeah, but thank you so much for, for sharing that, Richard. I think it's very important that people know about that. It was true. It's, um, you know, he had the marks of his, this greatness, this great cosmic avatar that he was for this age. And, and I think, I think um, too, and one thing you said earlier, not on the show, which was interesting, he brought through himself a, a body of wisdom and knowledge and predictions from these great cosmic avatars, mm -hmm. um, 600 of these, which are being stored and published for posterity. But mm -hmm. Richard mentioned earlier that Dr. George King was himself a walking transmission because his own body of teachings were phenomenal. And It's very interesting, yes. Because, yeah. I mean, we, we talked, uh, I think it was last month, a little bit about the 12 blessings. And, 
the Twelve Blessings is just this most wonderful, wonderful book, and, and I think the greatest religious practice really we can do now from a karmic point of view as, 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 as an observation, as a sending out of power to certain particular specific sources. And, you know, he he gave his commentary on this, and it's available on DVD. People can listen to it. I was listening to one myself this very day. And he does give his own stamp. He doesn't just, he does explain what the Master Jesus was saying in the Twelve Blessings, but he also gives completely unique teachings of his own in there, which are coming from him, because he was indeed himself a cosmic avatar. Which is another mark, I think, of his tremendous humility that he was bringing through himself these transmissions and never once yes. mentioning his own status. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that became very, very apparent uh, to those around him. Yes, it did, because, you know, he didn't think like human beings on no. this earth think. He had his own psychology. I was going to say an alien one. I'd say we're probably the aliens. Um, he, he and, it, and goodness me, uh, something we should really focus on, how terribly alone he must have felt because can you can one imagine sort of going into I mean, a, a comparison which has been made for one of these great cosmic beings coming down and living among us is one of us going and living in a, in, in a pigsty you know they, they, they leave their spiritual homes they leave their they're spiritual brothers. They they come among us, and although yes, they in the case of Dr. King, he did have some uh, followers, and and he was good enough also to say some of us were his actual friends. He still had a different approach. He didn't look at life in the way that we did. He looked at it in a much much greater way, a much much more selfless way, and it must have been so difficult. I I, I was thinking about a comparison. Um, and this is a very mild comparison, but if you can imagine living in a, a wonderful community, a, just a wonderful place with everything you need in it and wonderful, loving people all around you, engaged in the occupations that excite you and thrill you, uh, whether it be science, whether it be sport, whatever it might be, and then suddenly you're, you're taken away and dumped as a child in a, a, a sort of really depraved area where there's violence, crime, I don't know, drug abuse, dirt, slime, whatever it might be with people who are filled with hate and jealousy and 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 the, the contrast, you go straight from one to the other, might give people, and that's mild by comparison, some little idea of how it must have felt every day for him to be bombarded, even by his closest people, actually, with these lower vibrations and lower energies and thought forms. Yes, a highly, highly sensitive individual, mm-hmm. uh, because you just have to look at this planet, you know, and the majority, of, vast majority of people on this planet um, are not sort of evil people, but look at the history of this planet. It's bloody, and it's um, most people are pretty apathetic, and you know, terrible things. Well, I, I, yes, I agree. And uh, he was here because he wanted to help us to change, and he wanted to bring his his great global healing missions, uh, which he did, and which we're still continuing. He wanted to bring this through this great body of wisdom, which can change us if we re- read it and study it and allow it to change us. And um, he really deeply wanted us to change, to improve, to realize that we are gods in the making. Indeed. With every breath he took, with every every second to him was precious. 
That's another it thing was. that was instilled in us, wasn't it, Richard? Mm-hmm. How how precious time was. Yes. And, t- and talking about the environment that he found himself in and the world he found himself in, which he'd volunteered to come to, of course. But nevertheless, I mean, I, there were certain things, I'm not saying he couldn't understand them, because in some ways he understood us better than we understood ourselves. But it was uh, jarring, it was shocking. And one of the things, I think, uh, from my experience, that he, that he found hard to relate to, was the fact that people might believe in something and agree with something, but not live it. Mm. You know, they, they would say they cared, they would say they believed, but they wouldn't do anything about it much. They'd carry on in an indolent way, to boil it down, and this is my word, not his, they were bone idle. They were lazy, they didn't sort of roll their sleeves up, because where he was coming from was, okay, if you understand what the world is like, you understand what the need is, what else are you going to do other than roll your sleeves up and unconditionally surrender yourself in service? And most people don't do that. Even good people, they don't go that far. And that was alien to him too. Absolutely. That's what he was all about. He was about the work. He was about the service. He was about getting down to it. And he was he was a leader from the front, wasn't he? I mean, he totally. Everything he taught, he did. <laughs> he was very honest. I mean, he he he, he used, used to say it was his Yorkshire background. The Yorkshire being a part of of England in the north, where people are known for speaking bluntly, and I'm I'm sure that did rub off on him. But I think it went way beyond that. I think that was his whole nature anyway. Uh, to speak the truth, he'd rather somebody did that than was very, very nice and all the rest of it, but didn't really come out and say what they thought. Um, and you didn't have to guess, you know, he didn't play games with you. You knew exactly where you stood. Sometimes it was painful because it was the truth, but you knew exactly where you stood. Absolutely. Um, it, yeah. And another thing that I think we need to kind of if you're listening to this show and you, you're searching and um, you're, there's so many distractions out there and so many actually false teachers and we don't want to wait. I, I think I say don't waste your time um, because if you're listening to someone who's saying, oh, well, it, the most important thing is to find personal peace and bliss in these days, would well, just, you're it, they're wrong, you know, because how could it be true when the world is in such turmoil? It doesn't even make sense. And the great thing about Dr. King was he was always totally logical, wasn't he? He always made sense. He was. <laughs> yes, and I, I'd like to say something, Chrissy, to those people listening who um, didn't know him, didn't meet him, uh, either because they've, they've come into contact with the Ethereum Society since he passed on, physically passed on, or because they were in the Ethereum Society maybe at that time and didn't get involved, or perhaps they just lived too far away to really get to know him and be with him and meet him and so on. And uh, what I would like to say to that such people is that you can be just as connected, possibly even more connected, than some people who did know him. Because it, it isn't about that. He's not, he's not a master you've had to, you have to have physically met. Uh, his presence is there. His presence is there in his teachings. His presence is there in his missions. I mean, he, in many ways, he is the Ethereum Society, as I'm sure you'll agree, Chrissy. And you can, I, I know, I know people who didn't meet him, who absolutely are um, impressed, um, starting to manifest the spirit of Dr. George King now, and in some ways more than some people who knew him. Not everyone who knew him, but some. And, they, and that, that is a point I really do want to make. 
that's a very important point and you could almost equate it with Christianity because at the time uh, the people around Jesus were very quite few were they not and yet Indeed. today um, he, the master Jesus is still affecting and changing the lives of millions of people and I believe Indeed. in the future more and more people will be inspired and changed by Dr. George King yeah, and of course, St. Paul himself didn't physically meet the Master Jesus. He was uh, impressed right. by him, as we're told, on the road to Damascus. But he wasn't among his physical following. Um, I mean, after all, what was the Master Jesus was 33 at the time of the resurrection, I believe. So, you know, he, he didn't meet so many of them. So it, it's a very important point. I don't want this just to be like you and I chatting about our recollections and all the, aren't we lucky, we knew him. That isn't the spirit of this at all. What we're trying to do is say, Dr. George King is among us now in his presence, in his energy, in his legacy, and you can connect with that, and you can be part of that, and if you choose, as some some of us do, he can be your master, and that's an incredible thought. Yes, and he, he left behind a legacy which uh, we have the responsibility of running into the future. That's we, humanity, all of those who wish to help, you know, mm -hmm. um, and who are able to help through missions like Operation Prayer Power, which you can come along and, um, you know, join together with others of like mind oh, yes. and send out great light and great love and healing to the world through this combination of, of technology, of, of science and spirituality, a mission that he invented, that everyone can participate in. Yes, you don't have to be a member of the Ethereum Society. You can be actively involved in other beliefs, systems, if you wish. Uh, we're not a dogmatic, one and only way organization. You can still come if you choose to, and people do, uh, who aren't members, some of them, and they join in with Operation Prayer Power. But, you know, Chrissy, I just wanted, did want to say one thing, because we're getting towards the end of our hour. It's amazing, isn't it? Now, I don't know if it's, if it's amazing to others. It might seem like hours <laughs> and hours to others, but to you and I, it goes in the flesh. But I just wanted to say how nice it is to have you in the country, because you're just down the road from me now, aren't you? You're down in, in Surrey, aren't you? Yes, I am. Normally, yeah. phone in from uh, Michigan, but today, phoning in from London, because I've come over here to meet with... Um, members of the Ethereum Society, Richard and friends around the country and around the world for a, a great celebration. And Indeed. I mean, what we've been doing here, we, uh, it was actually months after the demise of Dr. King that suddenly a big building uh, came on for sale uh, here just around the corner and in an ideal spot, a big meeting hall, had been a, at one time a Catholic meeting hall and we didn't have the money to buy it at all and some people advised that it was very foolhardy to consider buying it but we went ahead and it's taken us all these years to get the building ready that's that's what is that 14 years or something since it actually was purchased and now it's ready and and we we have paid off the bills and and it's our it belongs to the Ethereum society and um, we're opening the temple on sunday and we've chosen this time particularly because and it's not the best of times, I must admit, and it's great that people like yourself and others have flown in. I know people are coming from Canada and America, Africa, parts of Europe, and it's very difficult weather. We've had a bit of snow here and so on. But it is the time of Dr. George King's birth, and that's why we picked it. He was born on January the 23rd, uh, 1919. And we're going to be actually on that date, January the 23rd, uh, not 1919, but next week, 
holding a special video evening with a brand new premiere video production about his life in our building here in London, in Fulham. And if people are interested in this, they can contact us. And then on the following Sunday, uh, we're having a special service in, in, in honor of his birth. Uh, which, again, people can come to if they wish in our brand-new temple. The opening itself, which is this Sunday, is already fully, but we can't fit another seat in there, I'm afraid. But do come along if you're interested to the other events. Do get in touch with us. And it's all about Dr. King and the legacy he left us and this new temple, which will be, I hope, a living demonstration of this great light he brought to Earth. Yes, and many, many congratulations to you and everybody involved in, in bringing that about. I know it's been a long and expensive and difficult job, and it's a great testament. Thank you, to, and um, thank you for coming. And could I just quote something from, from the Twelve Blessings, Chrissy, which is the fourth blessing, which is about the planetary ones, which we've now revealed that Dr. King actually was. And there's a statement here which reads like this, They tarry here, and the light doth come. And then they pass onwards before the takers of that light do realize what has happened to them. And I, I just think that is such a beautiful and, and rather poignant, in fact tragic in a way, statement. Um, even those of us who, who knew him well, I don't think we realized, and I know it's dawning on me slowly, uh, just what a light we'd taken from him and what he'd mm. left us with. And it applies to people all over the world and it applies to the world as a whole. So we're hoping that this temple will be a radiator of that light um, rather than a taker of that light, a giver of that light. And that's our goal in our new temple. Oh, that's wonderful. Very wonderful. And the people in London have a great opportunity of coming along. And I know you'll hold many, many activities there, services and lectures and classes. We will, actually. It's, it's interesting you say that because we've got a brand new, oh, it's hot off the presses yesterday, program of lectures and workshops, the first ever program of lectures and workshops in the Aetherius Temple, as it's mm. called, as indeed your temple in Michigan is, and we, we, this, this name, the Aetherius Temple, is uh, the one we use in L.A., in Barnsley, in New Zealand, and so on. But in our temple here, we've got a program of lectures and workshops, and we've got free programs available to people who want them, and we're starting that in, from April onwards. And uh, I thoroughly recommend it, as well as we give healing. We're going to start giving healing there uh, regularly, uh, certainly, um, I, I think, the last week of, of January. We'll be doing healing in there as well. And it's quite uh, convenient. It's near the Parsons Green Tube Station, right? It is. On Calverton Road, is that correct? That's absolutely correct. You just walk straight up from Parsons Green Tube, and, you, and do come and see it. Do come, it's a beautiful place. It's been wonderfully uh, uh, refurbished, and um, it, uh, we're just. It's taken us, as I say, 14 years because of funds, because we aren't wealthy organisation. We've had generous donations, and we've we've had to be very responsible and careful in making sure we have no debts, we have no loans, and we're now able to open it. It's a non-profit making venture. Certainly, it's not something that you would do for business reasons. But people are welcome to come along and visit us at the Aetherius Temple here in Fulham in London. And they'll also be able to come during a service and listen to actual transmissions. Yes, they will. Uh, they so absolutely will. 
which is a wonderful opportunity every Sunday, I, I believe, and um, other services too. So yes. I mean, it's a to have that light in in now a second light in from this your second temple in Fulham. London. Yes, we have. We still have the other, um, the temple, which actually Dr. King bought this building, the one I'm speaking to you from now, Aetherius House in the Fulham Road, in 1958. Again, he was warned very severely against buying it, told what a risk it was, but he went ahead. And we, this is, we also have in here a chapel uh, in the basement here, which has been used ever since, and, and in fact was used last night. And we're going to continue to use that, Chrissy, but we're going to rename that and call that the George King Chapel. And that's the place where the 12 Blessings was actually originally delivered, and many other transmissions too. So that will go on on a Monday evening. We'll keep that tradition alive. That's a wonderful, wonderful uh, chapel, George King Chapel. Absolutely fantastic. Oh, So, so happy to be in London for this wonderful event. And so glad to, to be here talking about our spiritual master, the great cosmic avatar, as Richard revealed. So uh, can I just say to the listeners that please uh, do look at Ethereus.org and find out everything you can about Dr. George King. You will not regret this wonderful research and journey into truth, which Dr. King will take you, if you allow it to. Indeed. And and I just think we have to carry this on. And next month we will reveal more about Dr. King and perhaps go into his, his childhood and what sort of person he was, some more of a personal insight into what made him tick. What is a living cosmic avatar really like on a day-to-day -day basis? Absolutely. So please mark that date, the third Tuesday in February, 1 o'clock, the same time, and 6 p.m. in England. Absolutely. And I'll look forward oh. to speaking to you then, Chrissy. And I'll look forward to speaking to all the listeners. And don't forget, you can get in touch with us if you have any questions that arise or indeed comments that arise and you want to put them up um, on, on the bodymindspiritradio.com then that will be very welcome too. And we, we thank all those people who have done that, actually, don't we, Chrissy? There's been some lovely comments yes, yes. up there and very always, interesting ones too. It's always great to get feedback. We appreciate that. And also any questions you have, we'll try and answer them in future shows. It would be great. So uh, that uh, really wraps up Dr. George King Cosmic Avatar Part 1. And just as Chrissy said, take the opportunity to, to look into this great master and make contact with him through his teachings and his writings and his CDs and hearing his voice and the transmissions he brought to, work, to earth. Absolutely. So thank you so much, everybody. And uh, hopefully those of you in London who can make it to the uh, events that Richard mentioned, that would be absolutely wonderful to meet you. Wouldn't and do give us a call first on 020-7736-4187. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Ethereus Radio Live here on Body, Mind, Spirit Radio. The presentation comes to you on the third Tuesday of every month, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Again, you can check your regular local times for the specific times you've got. We also invite you to tune into the archives, which are available at bodymindspiritradio.com. Sort of bring yourself up to date on all of the wonderful programs that have already been placed there for your uh, listening pleasure and enjoyment. 
We do guide you towards Aetherius.org, a fabulous site for all the information on Aetherius Society information, richardlawrence.co.uk, as well as chrissyblaze.com. And we look forward to part two of this fascinating, fascinating topic, the Aquarian Master, Dr. George King, when we return again in February on the third Tuesday, live here at Body, Mind, Spirit Radio.